You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is your host, Noah Scott, signing on with Brendan Kumarasamy. So Brendan is a YouTube master. So he's got, actually, and the the funny thing is, is his company is called Master Talk. It's a YouTube channel where he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. So he helps mainly purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are looking to achieve their milestones in life and helps them master their message. Brandon, welcome to the show, brother. I'm excited because this is such a powerful topic, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. Pleasure is absolutely mine, Noah. Thanks for having me. For our little icebreaker, just to introduce you to the show, do you want to just give us a little bit of what you would say is your superpower, that thing that's so unique to you that you've honed throughout the years? Yeah, I would say for me, Noah, the one superpower I think I have is that I'm an empath, where I can feel the energies of other people and adapt myself really quickly to the environment to make people feel really comfortable and make myself more likable. I think that's what I, what I do better than most people. And what what are you feeling now with my energy? You're a very relaxed, confident, easygoing guy. And it's actually really easy to do this intro with you because you actually have the same energy that my natural self has. But you'd be surprised. Just before, I was talking to someone really, really quiet. So I had to really bring down my vocal tones. Because if I bring it up just a little bit, I'll scare them to death. And then the call before that was somebody really loud. So there you go. It's so true. And it's crazy when you have a conversation with somebody who's allowing you to kind of match that rhythm and it's, you know, and they're feeding your fire. It's, it just makes everything so much easier than when you have a conversation and they're like unresponsive, unempathic, right? And you're like, oh, you have to work so hard. So I, I resonate because like jumping on with this interview, it's like you're starting to talk. I'm like, man, I, I'm just getting energy from just hanging out with you. Oh, thanks, man. So, Brandon, let's talk about. Uh, you know, this is a big possible show. A lot of times I, I love to contextualize the art of taking risks because in life, we're going to, if we want to do big things, we're going to face moments where we have to go against the odds, roll up our sleeves and get a little dangerous. So do you have a story of a time that you took the biggest risk of your life? And if you want to share what was going through your head at the time and ultimately how you prevailed? 100% Noah. The biggest risk so far in my career, though I'm sure I'll face a greater one later in my life, which will probably be marriage. Before that, I would say quitting my day job to pursue Master Talk full time. And I'll tell you why it was so risky. The reason is because even to this day, I'm the only breadwinner in my family. So my mom's retired. My sister's getting her education. I didn't want them to work. So before in my past life, I had a pretty successful job at IBM. I was doing really well. So giving up that identity of who I used to be to pursue this crazy idea and cutting my salary like 75% at the time was a massive risk because at this point, nobody was the breadwinner. So it's either I make it work or we're done. We're toast. So that was probably the biggest risk I ever took. And I was really nervous about it. And the reason is because my entire identity, Noah, was tied into that job. You know, when I started university, all I wanted to do with my life was to get a nice corporate job. That's literally it. If you had told me at 19 that I was going to get it, then quit it, 
and then it could be on podcasts. I was like, what? Like, you're crazy. What is this guy smoking? But that's exactly what happened. Oh, but the challenge was my entire identity was so fulfilling on that specific job that giving it up was really, really tough. I actually cried the day that I quit my job. It was really tough. Wow. Yeah. Do you still have days where you cry? Do you want to share it? Do you, want, do you have some moments where it's been really tough? Do you want to share kind of what, how the journey's been? Give us some I of mean, those, those lowest moments and, and, you know, how you get through them. Because that's, that's the stuff that nobody really talks about, right? We talk about, oh, how everything works, how everything's great. But sometimes, like, as an entrepreneur, starting new things, it gets dark. It gets challenging. And if we can hear other people going through it, maybe that'll help them kind of recognize that. All right. Oh, yeah. Better. Absolutely no. Yes, it does get better. Let me give you the punchline, but but yeah, I mean, there's so many. Let's let's laundry list all of them. I mean, one, I had a really smart, and I'm being sarcastic here, idea to send fifty thousand emails, Noah, to university professors in Canada and the U.S. Because my thought was like, okay, like if I'm making YouTube videos on speaking, they're definitely going to want to hear from me because they'll just keep sharing with their students who can't afford a coach. So I mm-hmm. thought that was a really good idea. And yeah, 50,000 emails later that I sent manually, by the way, because I didn't even know you had software back then to do this. I got spat in the face 49,999 times, except for like two or three people who replied back with enthusiasm. Everyone else said, you're too young. You suck. Who, who's going to listen to you? And I was really stubborn. That was a big mistake that I made. I should have stopped on firing emails. These university professors don't care. That's what I remember. Another challenge was... I don't know what it's called, what the right lingo is, but basically somebody sent me like a a lawsuit because I was accidentally uh, messaging people in their Facebook group. But it wasn't really for business. It was to get them to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And and they saw it as like a competitor. So they had their lawyers after me. It was like crazy. I was super scared out of my wits. That's another one. Thankfully, I I messaged them and I said, "Ah, I don't want any business. I'm just a kid making videos. And they let me go, thankfully. And the third biggest challenge, I would say, besides almost running out of money, was my youth. Because I started coaching a lot of people when I was super young, Noah. A lot of executives were really distrustful of me. They didn't want to spend the money they were spending on their coaches to hire me. So I had to really double down and triple down. Sometimes I had to give them a bunch of free stuff and give them that trust that they needed to eventually pay me. And that those are some tough years at the beginning for sure. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. And you know, at the beginning that, that earning people's trust, you got to Sometimes you got to like put that, that good faith forward and give something for free. It sucks, but Free, what I found free is often better than a discount because a discount, you start to resent the, the time that you're spending with somebody. But if you give something for free, it's like, they're like, oh man, this is great. And you're like, this is just a sample of what I can do, bro. Like when you, when you get the full thing, trust me, it's going to be way better. But yeah, that's, that's a lesson I've learned myself. Like if you look at like the hardest, the hardest lesson I've had to learn is like, don't discount my stuff. So let's talk about lessons learned in terms of, of making things work. Now that you have a lot of, of things that, that aren't working, just from the business perspective, what would you say is one of the things that you found that have made your efforts so much easier when it comes to doing business? For sure, brother. So three main things. I would say one is always visualize your worst case scenario. I feel a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't do risk management enough. They always think about the upside and not the downside. So the way I always approach business is if the worst thing happened in the world besides like a war, would I still be successful as an entrepreneur? 
And that frame really changes the way you look at business. So for me, when I quit my day job, I was really nervous. I definitely cried many times. But I also had a bunch of safety precautions. I built a pretty good rapport with my former employer. So if I wanted to go back, I could. I had like six months in savings. I'd saved every penny from living in my mom's basement for two and a half years while I was working this great job. So I so I had good amount of capital. And I was also already making money in my business. And that's another piece people don't do is they just jump ship and they go, let's figure it out. Like, I wouldn't recommend that strategy. Guilty. Right? Unless, unless you're Noah Scott. <laughs> if you're Noah Scott, it's fine. <laughs> Because you seem like a risk taker, you're like flying out to Mexico and stuff. For you, it's good. But but for, I think for most people, it would break them. So I would say for, for most of us, the advice now becomes, how do we take a more calculated approach? So what's the worst thing that can happen here? And how do we mitigate this so that we can definitely achieve our dream? So we don't want to see it from a negative perspective and say, oh, because of this, I'll never do it. But more in the sense of, hey, if I prepare for these scenarios in advance, like a recession that's coming up this year, okay, if I just save more money, I'll be safe in case I run out of clients or something. So that's one piece. The other piece of advice I would have is don't be afraid to split test. I think one big mistake that we hear a lot in the business world is niche down, niche down, niche down. And I think that's such surface level feedback. Whereas the real truth in business is you have to split test them on. So for example, when I started, I tried working with students, great people. They don't, they got no money. So I can't make any money there. And so my business goes to zero. Then I tried CEOs of startup founders, great, ambitious people. They want to win. They ain't got money to pay for me either because they hadn't raised their first round. So I was just making these mistakes. Then I went to uh, executives as kids. So I started charging them 300 bucks. And it was like, not the kids, but the parents to coach the kids. And that worked. But then it was really annoying because then I had to sell the kid and the parent to do the offer. And it wasn't a lot of money either. So I was still starving, even if I was getting them results. So I kept trying all these demos. And then I tried. So this is just really to prove the point here. Then I went into executives. Then I tried tech executives, this and that. And then I found my niche that works really, really well. And now I can articulate it really well, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. So I think the other piece is really to test. And the third one is try and make money before you quit. If you can't do it part-time, mm-hmm. part-time. Yeah. And so who is, the, who is the, the niche that you articulate now? I would say the one that's worked out for me the best. I mean, we still coach everybody because everyone needs communication but the one that i'm spending most of my marketing effort towards like money wise and resources 100 percent the woman executive and the Mm. reason is because they're always comparing themselves to their men counterparts so they feel that pain in the boardroom they always want to be more prepared and it's never a question of expertise they're already really smart they're just not communicating that intelligence in a way that gets them the results and they spread word of mouth way faster than men do because they're open about yeah. talking about their coaches. So, yeah. Totally, totally. That's really cool that you found that realization. Yeah, through experimentation. Totally, yeah. A ton. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not giving up and staying persistent. Cool. All right, so now let's let's dial into what you actually teach your people. Because I'm sure, like, I have a lot of listeners who are on that, who are female executives, for one. But two, we also have, like, people that are just, like, either startup founders or they're coaches. The big possible community is all about like entrepreneurs, risk takers. So how do we speak better? How do we share our ideas better? For sure, Noah. So here's the way that I think about this. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is eye contact. One of them is facial expressions. One of them is smiling. One of them is body language, storytelling. And it can get really confusing really fast, especially if you try to juggle all 18. So for me, the question has always been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? 
Because if we just figure that out, it doesn't matter where we are in our business or in our careers, we can easily get started as soon as this episode is done. And that's my easy three. So let's cover them really fast. The first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like soap, like opera, like light bulb, like pistachios, and create random presentations out of thin air on the spot. Why is that? The reason, Noah, is for two reasons. One, because it helps you deal with uncertainty. Life is filled with uncertainty. When you talk to somebody new, you have no idea how the conversation's going to go. And the second piece is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. And that's the magic of the random word. That's the first one. Second one, question drills. Just make a list of questions that you feel the world asks you about your expertise. Like when I started guesting on podcasts, Noah, I sucked. Some guy asked me, he was like, hey, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at it and I said, LA, San Diego, New York. I don't know, man. Definitely so LA. I answered. Yeah, definitely. LA. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, I just answered one question every day until I had an answer for everything. If you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions. Last tip, video messages. Pick three people you love and just tell them how much you appreciate having them in your life for 20 seconds. Hmm. Oh, I love that. It, you know, what's so amazing about it is it, it's literally like brain exercises. It's like the, it's this gym for your, for your public speaking. And we don't, you know, everything is a skill. And when you actually break it down, like what are the things that you're doing? You're, you're, you're deciphering information. So it's like, you have the, you have the, 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 the word game thing where it's like, okay, now I'm going to be able to take apart this concept and then articulate it. And then just the practice, the repetition. So as our final final sign off here, just this is a question I love to ask everybody, and it's about decision making because uh, I I really believe that our dreams are built on actions, and the actions that we take are built on the decisions that we make on a daily basis. So do you have a mental model or a decision making framework that you found to be helpful in keeping you on the right path? Absolutely, Noah. I mean, what a great question, by the way. I love the way you phrased that. So I have a ton, but I'll give you the main one that I love. And I call it the process of elimination. It's a lot easier for us to figure out what we don't want to do in life versus what we do want to do. Because you're right. That's why I always say decisions over passions. We can be passionate about anything. Our dog jumping up and down doing somersaults. But if we can't monetize that passion, we probably can't do it sustainably. Not to say that we shouldn't do somersaults. But going back to the process of elimination, when I was 12 years old, my career counselor looked at all of us and said, you should figure out what you want to do in life. Usually when you're 12, most of the time you go, astronaut, standard comedian. Whereas me, I actually chose accountant, weird enough. Why is that? Because I looked at my report card and I just said, hmm, like what am I actually good at in school? And honestly, most most of my report card wasn't that great. Okay, So failing in French, I was failing in history because I wasn't really trying, but I was really good at mathematics. So I went online on the internet and I just listed all of the careers in the world. I don't know how I had the thought of doing this at 12, but hey, whatever. And I just went through all the careers and I just started saying, no, I don't want to be a plumber. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be an exterminator. By the way, there's nothing wrong with those careers. I just want to point that out for people. But I was just saying no, because it didn't make sense for me until I had just like two careers left. And I saw actuary and accountant. I was like, well, I don't want to 
calculate the chance of people dying. So that thing's not going to go. So I just went into counting. So notice how it's very easy for us as humans to figure out what's obvious knows, and we're making many decisions in progress. And then the last piece of that framework is not being afraid to then change the decision later in life in the same way that being an accountant eventually led me to what I'm doing today. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a load off your shoulders too. Saying no feels good. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Brian, this has been an absolutely awesome interview. Thank you so much for the, the flow, the articulation and the value, man. It's just great to have that. So how do we support you and how do we stay in touch with all of your cool uh, videos and, and all the stuff that you're putting out? Absolutely. No, the pleasure was mine, man. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to master talk in one word. You'll have access to a ton of free content on communication. And the second way to keep in touch is to attend one of my communication workshops that I do for free over Zoom that are super fun and interactive. If you want to jump in on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Excellent. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure was mine, bro. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.